Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Amen. Oh, that was such beautiful worship. You know, Acts 13 speaks of men at the church in, in Antioch, and the Bible says they, uh, they lingered in his presence, or they ministered to the Lord and fasted. That phrase, ministered to the Lord, means they lingered in his presence. And that's what the Holy Ghost said. Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereto I'm called. So thank God for churches beginning to learn again. We've learned that over the years. About a year, year and a half ago, we had a wonderful outpouring of prayer. We're still enjoying the, the grace of that right now. But uh, during that time, we learned, you know, that many of those prayer meetings would end with we just sit in the presence of God and just sit there. And, you know, you get in that, get in that atmosphere, it's very easy to control your thoughts. Things you cannot, you know, things you just don't let them in your mind because you're in the presence of God. And, you know, that happens through worship. That also happens through praying in the Spirit. That's why it's important to pray in the Holy Ghost. Is because if you'll pray in the Holy Ghost, you can control your mind. If you can control your mind, you can control your thoughts. If you can control your thoughts, you can control your words. You get the right words, you're fixing to live an awesome life. Amen? Amen. So praise God. Thank God for the Word. Praise God. Thank God for everybody that came out on Thursday night. Hallelujah. Wonderful time to study the Word of God together and trust God for His blessing and provision. Romans chapter 10 tonight. Praise the Lord. I came, most of you know, here to Ireland in 1988. And I did have a message that I preached and still preach. I preached on faith. A lot. I preached on faith. I taught on faith. I lived by faith. I uh, sold thousands and thousands of cassettes on faith. We had two series that we did, uh, one of them called Principles of Faith, where we got into the Word of God and we looked at the different principles of faith. I heard somebody say this one time, oh, Brother Rusty, there's no, there's no formulas in the Word of God. Yes, there is. There absolutely is. If you don't believe that, then it'd be hard for you to get saved because there's a formula to get saved. You're going to have to believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. You know, there's a lot more of the process than that. A person has to come to the realization he's a sinner. And when you come to that realization, you'll realize there's a Savior. Amen. Thank God he's always there to, to, uh, to meet our needs when it comes to salvation. But, uh, you know, God demands that we live by faith. And, you know, it's becoming more and more clear to me why. Now, understand some things about the, the time in which we live. We're living in a I like what one minister said a few years ago. He said, we're living in a time of compressed time. It's being compressed. He called it the exponential curve of time. It's kind of like if you've ever been a person that invested much. You, you put a little money in an account or something, it really doesn't mean much. But if you keep doing it, keep doing it, you'll, you'll eventually hear, uh, hit what investors call the exponential curve, which is basically when your money goes from a addition to multiplication. Well, the same thing's true in the spirit. The same thing's true with the word, with faith, and with time. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, it, it, many times, when that, that minister likened it to an hourglass. If you've ever watched sand roll through an hourglass, it does flow uh, uh, slower when the pressure of all the time is at the top. All the sand is at the top. It'll start flowing. But if you watch it, the, the, less, the less the sand, the faster it flows. The less the sand, the faster it flows. And those last few, they just kind of, whoosh, and they're gone. Well, that's about where we are right now. The Bible calls it perilous times. Paul wrote to Timothy about it. God instructs us through the, through the, through the Word of God to, to, to occupy 
uh, to be an authority, uh, not to let things uh, uh, happen. You know, I said this to our church because we've experienced such a wonderful stirring of prayer. I said, you know, many things that we pray over, they may happen, but because we pray, we lessen the effect of it. Amen? I'd rather, I'd rather lessen the effect of it than take the full blow. Glory to God. Amen? So we're, we're, we're commanded by God. The only thing God's, that the Bible says without it, it's impossible to please Him, and that's faith. So you've got to pray by faith, you've got to live by faith, you get saved by faith, you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost by faith, you need healing in your body, you appropriate it by faith, and we all have a destiny in God, and we've got to fulfill that by faith. We've got to learn to live by faith. Now, one of the things you'll understand, I've been reading, I, I told the church when we were up in Derry, I've been reading a new translation of the book of Genesis, and I've so enjoyed it. And, and one of the things that they expounded on was the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of life, I mean the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and, and relating it to the Christian or the believer's walk today. And how, how the tree of the knowledge of good and evil always motivates or incites one to seek knowledge. And a lot of people think, well, we need to seek knowledge, seek knowledge. Well, what is the greatest commodity in the earth right now? It's information. And Christianity has adopted that and said, what we really need is information, information. Well, that's eating off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which demands what? Information. But what is the tree of life? It's a relationship. Oh, come on, I ought to get a better amen than that. It's a relationship. Or we'd, we'd, we'd be no different than a, than a college lecture class tonight. I'm telling you, that's all we'd be, studying some ancient philosophy that's taken place. But no, this is the end of a 6,000-year lease that, the, that man has had on the earth and the combination of all that God has done interacting with man, the fall, redemption, what God has done for us in Christ. Everything is coming to a great big conclusion very quickly. And because of that, God is putting a greater and greater demand on us to live by faith. Now that concept to me was very foreign. I understood faith a little bit when I was a child. I was saved at age seven. I uh, got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, age six, got baptized in the Holy Ghost at age seven. Uh, I sat in Sunday school class at age 12, went into the main auditorium, listened to one of the greatest expounders on the Word of God, Brother J.R. Goodwin, many years, but still did not understand the concept of living by faith. When I came back to the Lord in 1984 after being backslidden away from God, I, I, I had worked for many years. I'd worked hard jobs, uh, longshoreman working uh, in the offshore oil field as a laborer, uh, doing all kinds of hard work. And I came back into the body of Christ, got restored, knew I was called to preach. The Lord spoke to me and said, you'll never work in the secular world again. That scared me. He said, you're going to have to live by faith. I had no idea what he was talking about. And I went to a church where I got to the point where I wouldn't go in there with money in my pocket because I knew if I did, that pastor would get it out of my pocket. <laughs> he did every time. Amen? And he did it righteously. It was not unrighteous. But see, here's the thing. I began to minister. And you know, back then, this is before I met Leah, you know, we'd get a $50 offering here or, or a, a, you know, 100 here. So not near enough money to make any kind of a living on, you know. And then two different ministers, uh, one is dead and the other one never went back into the ministry, came to us and or talked to Lee and I, this is right after we got married, and said, you'll never make it in the ministry. You can't make enough money in the ministry. And I'm sitting there thinking, what are you talking about? God didn't call me to make money. God called me to live by faith. So I just learned by faith, financially, how to live. Tithing. 
A dime out of every dollar that comes across my hand. Uh, offering? Well, that's that, that, would, that's what, that which we give because we know it's right to give. You say, what is that? Like giving in a conference, giving to missions, doing things like that. And then that which God motivates. God speaks to you to give. You say, well, God's never, never uh, uh, spoke to me to give anything. Well, start tithing and offering and He will. Because He can trust you. Amen? So, all that we must do in these last days. We just talked a little bit about finance. I was kind of following up on pastor's offering. But listen, your health. Amen? Come on, church. Your health. You're going to have to take care of yourself by faith. You say, we just, we just trust the doctors. Oh, yeah, you think you can trust the doctors now with everything that's going on after what the earth has just gone through in the last three years? There may come a time when you may have to trust God to get healed. What are you going to do then? Not only that, what are you going to do about what may be coming? COVID caught us off guard. We went back and looked in our records. We keep records of tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecies. And we thought, God, did we miss it somewhere? God, did we miss it? And we went back and looked. And sure enough, in, in, in July, on July the 20th, I believe it was 2018, God gave us a prophecy that said there's coming a great interruption to the earth. We didn't know what that meant. How do you, how do you interpret that? How do you interpret that? Well, it happened. Well, we ain't go, we're, not go, we're not going to be caught flat-footed this time. Let me know what that means. Any boxing fans in here? Ever seen one of those boxes get flat-footed and somebody hit with a nice, nice uh, right cross? Bam. God, we're not going to get caught flat-footed. So we're, we're encouraging our congregation, our church, and everywhere I'm going, I am encouraging people, hone up on your faith, on your confession, on your healing. You say, what are you talking about? Well, do you have a confession of faith? If I were to challenge you right now, what do you believe about healing? Could you unload 5, 6, 10, 15, 20 scriptures, not out of your memory, but out of your heart? If I were to challenge you on the subject of prosperity, could you unload or download whatever you want to call in this technical age? Could you come up with scriptures that are in your heart on a continual basis and say, this is what I believe about finances. Not how much I can earn through a job or a business. Not how much I can gather uh, through, the, through the ministry. But no, no, how God can take care of me. How God can supply money. Do you have that word in you? Is that word in you? Is that faith in you? What about your mind? Oh my goodness. Man, there's so many Christians in depression right now. So many of them that are afraid. So many of them don't know what's going on. Man, this should be the joyous time that's ever been in the body of Christ. It's harvest time. It's time to reap the precious fruit of the earth that God has always promised belongs to the church. Amen. But the church has to wake up and begin to realize it's time like never before to live by faith. So I stayed in this morning. I thought, Lord, you know, I got, got in last night and, and we had a wonderful time last night. And I was just, but I was, I was saying, Lord, you know, all these conferences that I've done all these years and all these nations and all these places all around the world. I said, Lord, you know, there's always a purpose. There's always a direction. And I was kind of struggling with it. And, you know, there's been times where I've gone two, three services before I've gotten direction in conferences and meetings. But I thought, I'm going to stay in this morning, praying the Holy Ghost, take, take some time meditating on the Word and just talking to the Father a little bit about what's going on here. Why are we here? What are we doing? You ever think about that? What are you doing here? What are you sitting here on a Thursday night? Well, it may just be God's trying to speak to you, trying to get some information to you. Most of you is trying to wake something on the inside, wake something up on the inside of you. So today when I was praying, studying, the Lord spoke to me and said, now you need to go this direction. He said, there's a couple of the principles of faith that you really need to get on and you really need to tell this congregation right here, this is something that you better turn up, turn up the fire on. He said, what could that be? It's your words. 
It's your confession. It's how you speak the word of God. When you speak, you say, well, you know, I, I know a few scriptures. No, I'm talking about a daily rotation of constant word running through your mind, but not only through your mind, coming out of your mouth. You say, well, I don't do that. Well, you need to. You say, why? The times demand it, church. We're living in a, listen, listen, this is an amazing phenomenon, and it's hard to understand, but it's, it, it, I'll throw it out, and you may be able to grasp it. We're living in literally a cross-dispensational time right now. Just like the days in which Jesus walked, in which the old covenant was coming to the end and the new covenant was being burst. There were all kinds of cross-dispensational things that happened through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. His ministry to those that were outside the covenant. Oh my goodness. Many of those, he, he, he would say, great is your faith, the Syrophoenician one. Great is your faith. He was a Roman centurion. He couldn't get that out of the Israeli people for nothing. Amen. He, 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 would, he would forgive women caught in the very act of adultery. Cross-dispensational. Blood hadn't been shed. We're going to begin to see. Hebrews talks of those that will taste of the, of the powers of the world to come. Well, who will that be? Well, then what good would it have been for the, for the previous generation, for all of the healing revival, for all of what the Brother Hagen and Brother Oral Roberts and all those great ministers did? What good would that have done to do that back then if that's all the church ever tasted of? Amen? I believe he's held up for the last days a great outpouring, a great move of the Holy Ghost. But there's going to have to be a remnant of people that contend for it. Everything that God has ever done, people have had to contend for it, contend for it, contend for it. Listen, we got over here in 1988 and what we found was literally nothing. All the churches that have been built, all the denominational churches, everything that has happened, that has happened since then. Our coming here broke that great church revival loose in Ireland. All of those churches, all of those denominations that are here in this nation now, none of them were here back then. God opened the door. Amen? But when we came in here, it wasn't some great miracle or something. No, it was a grace that we sensed. A grace was beginning to come into this nation. We began to see that, see that grace move among a remnant of Catholic people. And I came in here and I just began to teach faith and teach faith. The just shall live by faith. you got to believe God for your finding. You guys know, y'all sat in hundreds of my meetings and I taught on faith and taught on faith. When you get sick, you're going to have to believe God. Healing's on the inside of you. You're not sick trying to get healed. You're the healed of God fighting off symptoms and disease. You're not poor trying to get rich. You're the rich of God. Tithing and offering. Appropriating what God says belongs to you in Christ Jesus. You've got to change your thinking. You've got to rearrange what's coming out of you. You, get, you have to begin to put the priorities. Some of you, let me say it like this. You've got to go back to those days in which you had dangerous faith and you were willing to believe God for anything. You've got to go back. You've got to go back and grow up and begin to realize these are the days in which God is looking for a remnant of people that will contend for a move of God. So the Lord tonight, if I were teaching you a, a Bible school class, we would begin with the principles of faith. Very simple, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God is the sole source for faith. You can be inspired by a testimony, but you need chapter and verse for faith. Amen? And then the primary way in which faith is released, that's what we're going to study tonight, is confession. You have to have a faith-filled confession. A faith-filled, you say, well, pastor, if I ever get my mind right, I'm going to have a faith-filled confession. You'll never get your mind right. You don't get your mind right first. So I'm just going to meditate. No, you're going to have to get some words in your mouth. 
I said, you're going to have to get some words in your mouth. You're going to have to get the word of God in your mouth. And you're going to have to learn to speak it continually. You say, well, pastor, I'm not sick. I don't need healing. But here's what you have to learn. You have to learn to get that word in you to the point that where you don't need healing, you are feeding your heart faith by what you're confessing. So when you do need healing, your heart will turn around. that, That gear will shift. That faith gear will take hold. And your heart will grab hold of faith and speak to the sickness and disease just like Jesus did in Matthew chapter 4. It is written. Finances? Your walk in life, your church, your ministry, everything we've ever done, we've done it because we've believed it in our heart and confessed it with our mouth. When Leah and I were very young and just married, we got married. I was 30, she was 28. I took her in our arms and I said, honey, get ready for a great adventure in faith. Is that what I said? We'll be married 37 years this August. Have we had a great And it's getting better ever done. Confession. What are you saying? Yeah, Pastor, you know, God knows your heart. That's not the law. That's not, how the op- that's not how it operates. That's not how it works. You are, as a believer, the sum total of what you've believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth. And you are, as a human being, the sum total of what you've believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth. It is not a Christian principle. It's a human principle. That's where a lot of people get in the, well, I don't want to be one of those blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. Every human is. Every human is. With all the desires of humanity. That's literally how people fulfill their desires is they do it by believing it in their heart and confessing it with their mouth. We were, uh, uh, Lee and I in Breland, Breland was much smaller back then. We were in Costa Rica on a vacation with a, with a missionary friend of ours. And we went out on a snorkeling trip. And, and coming back, Breland fell asleep uh, across my uh, lap, and I'm sitting right next to the captain. So we start talking, and, you know, it don't take me long, and, and uh, you know, we're preaching. And so, <laughs> so he starts telling me about how he came to be a captain, captain captaining a, a sailboat off the, you know, Pacific coast of Costa Rica, taking tourists like me snorkeling. So he talked about he had a business in, in, in San Francisco and they, you know, they were living the, you know, work, work hard, you know, and try to make, make money and all. And they did that for years and became successful. But he said this, he said, I just got tired of the rat race. So he talked about how they came down to Costa Rica, saw how pure, beautiful it was, saw business opportunity, took advantage. And what they did is they bought a beautiful sailboat, learned how to sail. He got his captain's license. And they bought a condo that had four condos. So they ran this condo that had four condos. Uh, they had a, a little place they lived in next to that. And then they ran that sailboat. I think they did two trips a day. And so as we're going back, we begin to talk about the things of God. And he's a universalist. He believes everything has already been put in order. No matter what happens or no matter what you do, it does not matter. You're going to be swept away in some order of some higher power and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, that's just absolutely crazy. And I begin to talk about to him about how he came down there. I said to him, I said, I'm going to tell you exactly how you came to, to, uh, to Costa Rica. I said, one day you were driving around uh, the, the freeways of San Francisco after doing some job. And, you know, you're you're kind of fed up with the rat race. You know, I mean, if you win the rat race, all you are is the winning rat. Did you get that? Let's say that again. Amen. So he said, you know, he said, I just had this thought. I just had this thought. I just had this thought. Well, why don't we just sell everything and move down to Costa Rica? I said to him, how long did you have that thought? He said, well, you know, I'm driving home. I had that thought. I said, what'd you do when you get home? 
He said, I told my wife, why don't we sell everything? Move to Costa Rica. I said, really? I said, so you had a thought. Out of that thought, you begin to say. He said, yeah. He said, she looked at me and said, you must be crazy. That'd be impossible. He said, but you know, it wasn't a couple of days later. I said to her again, what do you think? Why don't we think about moving to Costa Rica? Then he began to tell me the story how he constantly began to talk. I said, see? I said, you came to Costa Rica by the very principle I'm about to, trying to talk to you about, about giving your heart to the Lord. It's not a universalist, you know, you'll just make it to heaven because you were chose. That was part of your life path that God chose. No, you're going to make it to heaven because you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And the very principle of faith I'm trying to show you, Captain, is how you got down here to Costa Rica in the first place. You believed it in your heart, you confessed it with your mouth, believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth, believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth, you convinced your wife, then you acted on it, and here you are. He looks at me and says, are you a mind reader? I said, no. I said, it's all in the Bible. Listen, it's the same with us today. How we speak and what we speak and when we speak it is important. If you have ran your mouth your whole life and gave everybody you know a piece of your mind, no wonder you ain't got much left. <laughs> Amen? Amen? It's time to get the Word of God in your mouth, get it in your heart, and begin to let the power of that Word transform you into the person you must be in this next day, next week, next month, and next year to survive on this earth. You think, I can just get by with what I'm doing and how I'm doing. You're wrong. I'm here to warn you. I told this to my church two years ago. I said, I teach a lot, but I'm also here to warn you. It is time for you to get white hot for Jesus. It is time for you to get full of the Holy Ghost. It is time to you, for you to take all the restraints off of faith and make a decision. This is my life and this is how I'm going to live out my life on this earth. Because you may not have long whether you realize that or not. Now Romans chapter 10. Did I tell you that already? Let's get in there for just a few minutes and dig into this subject. Now just a quick scripture. Verse 10, Romans 10, 9 and 10, we know this is what we would call the end of the Roman road, bringing one to salvation. Simplicity of, you know, that if thou shalt believe in thy heart, confess with thy mouth that God hath raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But I want you to see verse 10. Now notice, for with the heart, everybody say with the heart. Now say that again, for with the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth. Now everybody say in the mouth, with the mouth. And with the mouth, confession is made unto. Now look at that closely. Confession is made unto. Now if you take those words and you begin to study and kind of pull them apart and look at them, literally it's talking about your confession takes possession of. A couple of translations actually translate it like that. And if you realize that, salvation was supplied for you 2,000 years ago. You could have took possession for it, of it the day before you did, the week before you did, the month before you, I don't know, whenever you found out about God and salvation, how long was it before you got saved? You could have got saved the day before. You made the decision to accept the gospel that was brought to you. How did you receive it? You believed in your heart. You confessed with your mouth. The Bible says by doing that you became born again. But now this scripture here shows us something very interesting. It shows us the belief system of the human being. 
Not the Christian, the human being. Let me say that again. It's the belief system of the human being, not the Christian. You say, well, why not the Christian? Well, if the human being didn't have it, he could never become a Christian. I mean, it's just common sense. I mean, if you get it when you become a Christian, then how, you, I mean, that's kind of a catch-22. Well, we can't become a Christian without it. Well, you, you got to have it to be one. Well, then we're stuck. No, we can, ha- we can become a Christian. We can become, quote, Christ-like. We can receive the life of God. We can be born again. We can be saved. Amen? By doing what? By doing what God put in original design for His children. He intended His children to be just like Him. He made us in His likeness and His image. And what do you see the likeness and image of God like from verse 1 through 26 in Genesis chapter 1? You see a being that creates with His words. And God said, 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 and it was good, and it was good, and God said, and it was good, and God said, then God said, let us make man in our likeness and image. That's God the Father, God the Word, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our likeness and image. What is the likeness and image of God? 26 back to verse 1. A creature that creates with his words. Amen? So now notice, of all of the systems you have to deal with, your physical body, think of that. Cardiovascular, digestion, Nervous, op, uh, optical, audio. What do they call this? Well, we know that. On some people. Respiratory, there you go. Amen? The senses. So we see that we are made in that same likeness and image. But what happened? The false sin. You say, how did all this stuff get all messed up? Listen, I've always been kind of a student of history. And things like, I've studied World War I because I met a a very famous uh, World War I soldier when I was a little boy. Uh, The most highly decorated American soldier of World War I was named Alvin York. He was from uh, Tennessee. The second most uh, 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 decorated soldier in World War I was named Charles Knapp. And he was from Pasadena, Texas, and he went to our church, him and his, his little wife. And so, uh, you know, I studied World War I, I started, study all this stuff. But what's, what's an interesting study is how they started. You know how they started? With a thought. A thought. A thought. World War II. A thought. Leah's, Leah's father spent three and a half years away from his wife. His first child was born, and he didn't see it until it was two years old in the Pacific Theater of World War II. How'd that start? In the, in the perverted mind of a Bohemian corporal, a thought began to move. It began to germinate. He began, like a lot of people do, to entertain the thought. And as he entertained the thought, the thought was in a place of what? It was in a place of unrighteous germination, which is the mind of man, which the Bible says is an enmity to God. So the more he entertained it, the bigger it grew. And it began to include hate and prejudice. And it began to include murder and war. And and, and how do you, oh, you really think that's the devil? And it included trying to kill God's people. 
Come on, church. And, and acting on the thought by what? Confessing with his mouth. He shared it with somebody. And it did the same thing to them that it did to him. It reprobated their mind and caused them to go perverse. And the end result is what? To, to a, a 250 million people dead all over the world in seven years. But the heart, man believeth. But the word in it and with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So the heart and the mouth have the original design necessary to house the power, the knowledge, and the wisdom of the Word of God. Because in ingesting and digesting the Word, you grow closer to Him. You're seeking relationship and you're not seeking knowledge. You're seeking a person because the person is the knowledge. Let me try that again. Let me help you with it. You want want it scriptural? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He did not say, I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I'm going to give you some life. No, he made it relational. I am. You want it? I am. You want it? I am. We want you. We want you. We want you. I don't want doctrine. I, I love doctrine. I teach and preach doctrine. What I believe to be correct doctrine. Doctrine that I've, that I've applied to my life. And I said it the first time I came to Ireland 35 years ago. I said, listen, I only preach what I have proved. And in 35 years, I've proved it over and over and over and over and over. It works. It works. Prosperity works. Healing works. Deliverance works. Joy works. Righteousness works. I mean, it works. It works. It works. And it's the only way to live on this earth. You say, well, you got to be in the ministry to do it. No, you don't. You just have to want to do it. You just have to want to do it. Now, real quick, go to Mark. Since we were there in Romans, go to Mark chapter 11. Everybody say, I'm going to get my words right. Say, I'm going to get my words right. Go to verse, yeah, go ahead and go to verse 20 in Mark chapter 11. Now this is familiar scripture. Every faith preacher ought to just be able to preach this with their eyes closed, standing on one foot, and you know, it just should be part of them. Mark 11, beginning in verse 20. Now we know this is the conclusion of something that took place that was unusual to the disciples. They were walking in a, and a, Jesus happened upon a fig tree that was covered with leaves. But it wasn't the time for the figs to be ripe, and the, and the tree hadn't set fruit yet. So the Bible says he spoke to it. Uh, King James says he cursed it, but he spoke to the truth to the tree, and he said, "Never bear fruit again." And the Bible says the next day they, they walked by, and the disciples marveled because they saw the tree dried up from the roots. Amen. So Jesus it picks it up in verse twenty. He says, "And in the morning." As they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling him to remember said unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursedest is withered away. Jesus answered said unto him, or said unto them, Have, now notice this, have faith in God. Now in reality, if you study this in different translations, the thought the Holy Ghost is trying to get over to us through the writer Mark is this. 
have the God kind of faith or look at God and watch Him operate in faith. You do the same thing. This is how God does it. This is how you do it. Amen? Then the next scripture, notice the next scripture. He says, For verily I say unto you, that who, that whosoever, not the priesthood, not the fivefold ministry, not just the men, not just the women, but the whosoever's of the world, that whosoever, now notice very carefully, shall what? What? What does it say? For who shall, whosoever, what? What? What does it say? Shall say. Everybody say say. Now that means say. Now let me help you. And I've done this for years in Ireland and every place else. 30 seconds of silent prayer gets you nothing. You're going to have to open your mouth and cry out to God. You're going to have to open your mouth and you're going to have to speak the Word of God. And you're going to have to speak the Word of God to Him through worship and praise until you get enough faith to speak the Word of God to your situation and tell it to stop. Like we said last night, everybody wants God to think, change things, but God says, nah, 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 I'm going to change you. You can change things. Amen. So, fair last saying, whosoever shall what? Say unto this mountain. Now, what did he have just done? He had cursed the fig tree. He had spoke to an inanimate object. He had spoke to something that, as far as we know, bears no life in it, but his words had an effect on something that bears no life in it. Well, maybe I'll go preach to those guys out there. <laughs> Did you get that? Now, now, whosoever's what? Say unto this what? Whatever it needs to be. Whatever it is. That is your mouth. Your agitation. Your irritation. Your diagnosis. Whatever it is that needs to be removed. You got anything that needs to be moved out of your life? Moved out of your mind? Mindsets? Uh, a fear, uh, people have dread, people carry grief, hate, pr- all kinds of garbage. We talked about being refurnished. God wants to refurnish you with faith. Amen. Whosoever shall what? Say unto this what? Now, I speak to my pocketbook. I speak to my dogs. I speak to my wife and daughter, my house, my church. I speak to everything. What do you speak? The word of Almighty God. My words can't do anything for you. Amen. Romans 10, 17. See, if we'd have stayed in Romans 10, we could have gone to verse 17. So then faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. And everybody knows that, but most people just listen and wonder why faith doesn't work. You say, why? Because what you listen to and what you hear are two different things completely. What you listen to, you can mentally assent to. You can think about it tomorrow. You can forget it altogether. But what you hear, you have to make a choice over. Amen. I heard a guy say one time, well, what you hear, you have to do. Well, I wish that were true. There'd be a lot more obedient people. Speak to it. Say, I ain't got no money. Speak to your pocketbook. You say, my, 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 uh, uh, my knee hurts. Speak to it. What do you speak? The Word of God. There's a, uh, a man that taught faith. Uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord. He was conducting a faith seminar. And a woman... Uh, a godly woman who had lost her husband uh, grew up in the Assemblies of God, Pentecostal denomination there in the United States. Well, around the world. You know, it's all around the world. But anyway, uh, they were, uh, 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 he was on the board of the church, a businessman in the church, gave a lot of money to the church. Pastor loved him dearly. Uh, 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 missionaries would come through, they'd pray for him. Uh, evangelists would come preach revivals, they'd pray for him. And, and the man died 
ended up dying. And so the woman, you know, uh, uh, a couple of years gone by, a few years gone by, she got in this, in this faith, uh, this guy teaching on faith, this faith seminar. And he began to teach on this right here, right out of the same scripture. And he, he began to talk about uh, speaking to the, to, the, to the diabetes, to the cancer. Talking to the, to the, to the, to the whatever it was that the doctor says, this is your diagnosis, this is what's in your body. So as, as he began to uh, conclude a, a service one day, he uh, made a decision to stay over and, and greet a few of the people uh, just to say hello. Uh, many of them were his supporters and things. So he stayed down front. This woman approached him and said, may I ask a question? He said, you're teaching, but I just, I'd like to ask a question. And so she told in just a, uh, her simple way the story of how uh, her and her husband believed God for healing and, and uh, he died. So uh, he asked or rehearsed back to her again. So, so the pastor prayed. Yes, anointed with oil. Prayed, prayed. And so he said the evangelist prayed. Yes, well, we laid hands. Several evangelists had came several year period that this had taken place. He said, uh, and the missionaries prayed. And the missionaries prayed. And they said, we all were, we were just believing God. We were believing God that God would heal my husband. And so this minister looked at him and said, looked at her and said, did anybody ever talk to the cancer? Did anybody ever talk to the cancer? She said, no. Now notice the scripture again. For verily I say unto you that whosoever should cry out to God and say, please do this. No. No, it doesn't say that. For verily I say unto you that whosoever should give a big offering and vacuum the church every Wednesday night. No, it says for whosoever shall say... Unto this mountain, unto this debt, unto this cancer, unto this looming divorce, unto whatever it might be, be thou what? Removed. God's not going to do it for you. God's not going to speak it for you. Amen. I heard my, my pastor, John Ostey, I had one of his quotes up the other day. Uh, he said, the whole time I knew him when he would teach on faith, he said, quit going to God and telling God how big your mountain is. Go to your mountain and tell your mountain how big your God is. You got to do it with your mouth. You got to say it. But the problem with most people is they try to fight a thought war with the devil. You cannot fight a thought war with the devil. He'll beat your brains out every time. You say, what do I do? You must do what David said in Psalms 91. You must say, you must say, you must say, you must say. You say, well, if I've got a bad heart, how long do I have to say to it? Speak to it until you don't have to speak to it no more. Then you still have to speak to it. See, we, we were flying here from Houston and, and met a man in the airport. Just, just you know, just the, uh, the providence of God is what it was. And he, he was, uh, uh, him and his wife had cancer. And, and each week, one of them would fly from their home in Alabama and go to uh, MD Anderson for cancer treatment. And so we begin to encourage him. And next thing you know, you know, we kind of left him and encouraged. And then, and then we went to get a little bite to eat. And he sat down right, right next to us. And that gave us about 30 minutes to encourage him, to talk to him, and to pray for him, and to speak to the cancer. He was a good Baptist man, but he had been reading Pastor Dodie Osteen's book, 147 Healing Scriptures, every day that she still speaks. She's fixing to be 90 years old. In 1982, they gave her six weeks to live. You say, what happened? For a year, she fought the devil tooth and nail by what she said, by what she said. I'll live and not die, and I'll declare the works of the Lord. 
Amen. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the earth. It's your words. Listen, you overcome. You overcome by what? By what you, by what you speak. It's the what? The word of your testimony. What's coming out of your mouth? The devil messing with your mind. You better speak to your mind and say, you're not a habitation for the devil. And then you need to tell the devil, quit tormenting my mind. I will not, I will not think that. I will not capture that thought. I will not entertain that thought. Did you know the devil, if you'll let him, if you'll let him, can put you right in the middle of a Holy Ghost meeting with the power of God falling like rain and you can think that somebody's trying to hurt you or abuse you. Happened to us the other day. I got up and started teaching on offense. A lady approached me and talked about a Holy Ghost service we had a couple of nights before where the Spirit of God fell. But the devil put a thought in her mind. And you know what he did with that thought? He supplied the feeling to go with it. Feeling of humiliation. A feeling, a feeling, actually it was kind of an interruption of pride at what it was, is what it was. But in reality, uh, you know, it was something that had a great effect on the individual. And all it was was the stinking devil putting a thought, entertaining that thought. Listen, when that thought comes, you need to say of the Lord. No devil, I have the mind of Christ. Get out of my mind in the name of Jesus. I have the power of the word of God in me. I've got the power of the name of Jesus in me. I've got the power of the Holy Ghost in me. I'm not going to think like this. I'm not going to think Irish. I'm not going to think American. I'm not going to think into the world. I'm going to think Jesus, the mind of Christ. I share his compassion. I share his motives. I share his understanding. And I share in his power. How do you share in his power? Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, he's trying to tell those disciples. He's trying to show them this is not a deity trick that we do as gods. That's not it. It's the word of God in your heart working through your mouth. The same principle, I'm going to rehearse it to you a hundred times tonight. Your mouth must continually feed your heart faith when you don't need it. So when the problem rises up, there's that gear of faith that is switched and your heart can look to the problem, look to the devil, look to the sickness or disease, look to the thing that's standing in your way or look to the mountain and say, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. For it is written. For it is written. Hallelujah. And shall not doubt. Now notice this. In his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith, he saith, shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now I'm telling you, I've heard all the people that preach against faith and preach against believing God, and preach against his miracle. Well, let me just take a little rabbit trail for a minute. Don't ever, don't ever, any, don't ever let anybody steal your faith from you by saying to you something like, well, you know, that's all in the sovereignty of God. Amen? Well, if God wants to heal that, you know, if he wants to heal that, that that's all in his, he's going to have to make up his mind. No, he made up his mind 2,000 years ago. Well, I just had a hard time receiving, obviously. Because every time God's trying to do something, you talk yourself out of it. Boy, let's shout me down now. Amen? You're going to have to make a decision. These words that are of God have an unseen materiality to them called the power of God. Actually, it's called the word of His power. Not the power of His word, which means God reserves some power and 
puts a little in his word. No, no, no. It's God gets all of his power from his word. Amen. Yeah, okay, we'll, take, we'll go down that. We'll go down that one too. A lot of Christians I've seen, especially since COVID, and especially since a lot of this craziness has been going on in the world. Listen, you cannot afford to serve God by thinking in any way that God is trying to hold something from you. Or that God is up in heaven, sitting on a throne, some kind of being that in His great omnipotence, He holds back anything that would help humanity. Honey, when He gave Jesus, He gave it all. He did all He could possibly do. He can't do nothing else, church. You've got to take what He's done. You've got to take the word that He's given you and you've got to get it in your heart and you've got to start speaking it and acting on it and doing it because if you don't, you ain't got a chance. Now notice, three times, three times, say, say, say it. One time, believe. Three times, say, say, say it. One time, believe. Three times. You know where that comes from, don't you? <laughs> Amen? That's Brother Hagin. One time, believe. Three times. You gotta speak. One time, believe. Three times. You know how those gang members do it? That's our gang sign. <laughs> Let's close real quick. James. Are y'all liking this? Is this okay? How many are going to make some adjustments? I said, how many are going to make some adjustments? If you don't have confessions, I'm sure Pastors Ryan and Kimberly will provide you with confessions for the Word, confessions for for your health, your finances, your family. You know, uh, Breland here is our miracle baby. She don't like us to tell people that, but she was. And when she she was uh, growing... In, in mom's belly, we had a confession. Every night we spoke over her. And, and only Lee and I know what God did. Isn't that right, sweetie? Only Lee and I know what God did with that confession. But I'm telling you, if you're, if you're going to have a baby, get that word. I mean, I, I had to travel. I was traveling a lot then and trying to be home as much as I could. But when I'd be gone, she'd be in bed. I knew what time she'd be in bed. I'd, I'd get in from meetings in the hotel and I'd call her up and I'd, she'd put her belly on the hand on her belly. We'd make that confession over, over Breland. Listen, it's important. The Word of God, the Word of God, it has no expression in the earth except through your heart and mouth. And God's not withholding some great amount of anything. He's, he's given it all. He's left it all on the field, field guys. You have to understand that. That's how much he loves us. When you study redemption and study what redemption could have resulted in if, but it didn't because of. Amen? Now, James, real quick, and we'll close with this. Uh, chapter 3, I'm just going to read here for a moment, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it and see what, see what God has for us tonight. Amen? It says, My brother, be not many uh, uh, masters, uh, knowing uh, that we shall receive of the greater condemnation. You know, I don't know everything about anything or anything about everything. You just know what you know. Amen? A lot of people, it's amazing to me, you know, they get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and six months later they know everything. 
Well, you know, this, this stretch, I've been serving God, uh, coming up this March will be, uh, 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 this last March was 39, so I'm in my 40th year uh, of living by faith and serving God. Amen? And, and you've got to understand something, church. It's the same doctrine, effort, and results. It just keeps growing and growing as God grows you in His character. can trust you with more. Amen? It says, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, now notice that, in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth and that they may obey us, and, and that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also ships, which though they be so great, they are driven by fierce winds, yet they're turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor, you know, the governor or the captain uh, wants it to go. Even uh, so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, and it defileth the whole body. And it setteth on fire the course of nature, and it setteth on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and have been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. So if you think you ain't got a problem, you're wrong. I got you a tongue problem. You do. <laughs> I didn't say, I didn't diagnose you with it. It's what the Lord says. This is of it all. This is the tongue. Can no man tame. It is an unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, even the Father. Therewith we curse men which were made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursing. My brother, these things ought not be. Doth a fountain send forth the same place, sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, can a can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So no, and can, excuse me, and vine figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Now, think of this just for a moment. This is James. He's the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. Uh, some very wise ministers uh, uh, instructed Lee and I, one of the things they said, they said, you have to view Proverbs as the Proverbs, I mean, you have to view, view James as the Proverbs of the New Covenant, of the New Testament. It is a book of great wisdom. So you've got to kind of kind of meditate and think about this guy, James. Now, he pastored the church at Jerusalem. Historians say the church grew to probably 30,000 people. And so you've got a variety of different things going on in the church, such as, as outstanding preachers like Peter the Apostle who walked on the water, who, who did miracles, who raised Dorcas from the dead. He had all the goods. He had all the credentials. He had the right pedigree. You had John. He was the beloved. You had others that were... And then you had this real quirky dude that everybody, you know, they knew what he said it was God because, you know, he always had such powerful meetings. And that was the Apostle Paul. And then you have James having to deal with all. And there's so much practicality in 
The book of James, it talks about, we're going to go actually to the book of James tomorrow night and looking at what do you do after you've believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth, believed with your heart, confessed with your mouth, believed. One day you're going to have to act on it. And that's where the devil really tries to trip you up. So I'm sure he saw a lot of spiritual people with a lot of spiritual words in their mouth. Amen. But there wasn't a whole lot going on in the church. There must have been a lot of strife. There must have been a lot of backbiting. There must have been a lot of offense because he began to talk about how wicked their tongues were. These were people that were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. And he said, man, you can set, your tongue you set, on the, set on the fires of hell. Uh, literally, it's a world of iniquity in your mouth. And we talked about, oh, we were up in, 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 uh, in Derry when we were talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost, being a disconnect, how God is able to disconnect your tongue from your intellect or your anger or your, or your disappointment, hook it to your spirit where the Holy Ghost is, and next thing you know, you're going, you're speaking out of your spirit. Your speaking faculties hooked. To the spirit man where the Holy Ghost abides. You're filled or baptized with the Holy Ghost. Amen. But man, you keep your tongue hooked to anger, strife, offense, greed, ambition, ego. I've heard all those things speak. I've heard preachers get up and spout vision. I thought, my goodness. Because everybody there went like this. Amen. You get people get up and speak vision from God. Everybody goes, woo. So the tongue has to be tamed. And you say, well, I'm just going to get filled with the Holy Ghost speaking tongues. Well, that's great. You need to do that. But what really tames the tongue is God's word in your mouth. Because whatever your problem is, you're handling power with your heart and your speaking faculties. Let me help you. I don't care what what the diagnosis would be for your disease, if you were to be diagnosed with a disease. There's no way, if you came and said, Pastor Rusty, I need you to fight this fight with me. I've been diagnosed. There's no way I'm going to ask God to heal you. I think that would insult God. I'm not going to ask God to heal you. Amen? Just like if you were, uh, uh, I walked out in the street and some drug addict walked up and say, you know, uh, would, you, uh, would you pray with me? Uh, I see you're a pastor out of this church. Would you please pray with me? Kneel here. Let's, let's beg God to save me. Would you save me? I wouldn't do that. I would say, we don't have to beg God. He's already done it. Now, the reality of redemption and the new birth is this. You've got all of that in you. Healing power. The ability to prosper. The wisdom of God. The peace of God. The joy of God. There's salvation in you. That's why Paul said in Philippians, work out. Get what's in you and work it out. He's speaking of what? Servitude, faithfulness, us, us, us living to bless one another and to look out for one another and to cover one another. He says, work out your salvation. Let it come out. Why? And it is what? Healing, healing, preservation, soundness, safety, deliverance. How do you work it out? The word in your mouth, your heart. The word in your mouth and your heart. The word in your mouth that brings healing, brings deliverance, brings joy, brings peace, brings clarity of mind gives you direction, everything that you need. It brings the atmosphere of your life into the place that it needs to be. Many people struggle because they have built the wrong atmosphere in their brains. Amen? So, I came back to the Lord almost 40 years ago. My brain was shot. I'd been away from God for over 12 years, almost, almost 14 years. It was 13 years and a few months. And my brain was shot. My brain was full of hate. My brain was full of violence. 
My brain and my body was full of addictions. Uh, my, brain was, my brain was full of fear. Amen? And immediately upon getting right with God, the enemy went to work on my brain and began to give me all the what-ifs that the devil tries to do. Now let me say this to you. We have the perfect template, the perfect example of resistance in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 4. It is written. It is written. Then the authority behind it is written. Devil, stop whatever it is. Amen. Your healing's on the inside of you. There was a story that man of God I study under used to tell about a farmer in the area that he lived. He moved in there as a young man, as a young pastor. There was a doctor in the area that was a denominational man that was very skeptical of the things of God. This farmer, when people in the community would get sick, they would call for this farmer. He'd go sit by the bedside of the sick and infirmed and just read the Bible. That's it. Just read the Bible. And just about every person got healed. I think the longest case was about three days. It took somebody about three days of him sitting there reading the Bible. And he'd come there, you know, read the Bible. When he needed to get up and go do something, he'd go do it. And when he didn't, he'd come back and read the Bible. Amen? So this doctor's wife, she got cancer. And of course, you know, he was a doctor, so they did everything in that day that they could do. And, and she got none better, got worse, and was dying. So she, he called for the, for, the, for, the, for the farmer. And here come the farmer. And he read the Bible for a day and a half, and that woman got out of bed and made him a big old dinner. Totally healed. So from then on, whenever he'd get a hard case, he'd call for that farmer. And all that farmer would do would be read the Word. Well, why would, the, why would people get, oh, he must have had some special gift, some special... No, it was the power in that Word. The power in that word. Power in that word. I think uh, Pastor Ron was saying to us tonight as he was exhorting at the end of worship, the distractions. Why aren't you healed? The distractions are stealing your healing. The distractions are stealing your prosperity. The distractions are stealing, they're stealing your joy. Your sure the world's going to hell on a roller coaster. Ain't nothing we can do about that. There's not a fix for it. Do you know that? If you keep it, well, maybe they'll elect this person. Or they'll get, no, no, there's no fix. There's only one that's going to come rule and reign in righteousness and his name is Jesus. And he'll be the one that will set this earth in order. In the meantime, we better get the word of God in our heart and in our mouth and let the power of that word. So healing's in you, deposited in you through the new birth. How do you get it up out of you? Through your confession. We've been making it as a corporate church, as a, as a corporate body, a lot more since COVID. I've been, every time the Lord prompts me, we'll just stop and we'll make that healing confession. Sometimes they'll talk about a flu strain or something like that. We'll just stop, maybe two or three services, make that healing confession. But I encourage the church to make that healing confession over themselves every day. I wake up in the morning many times and it's unconsciously in my mouth. So I just pick it up with my mouth. Because as long, as long as it's rolling around in my mind, it's kind of like, you know, having a nice hamburger or something, but it's all wrapped up in paper. It ain't going to do you no. you got to unwrap it. How do you unwrap it? You unwrap it by what you say. Amen? So let's, how about let's just make a healing confession. Y'all want to do that? So everybody say after me, Heavenly Father, I thank you. I am the healed of God. Thank you, Jesus. You are my Savior. You're my healer. Therefore, I thank you. You were wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was upon you by your stripes. I am the healed of God. Thank you, Father.
You bless my bread. You bless my water. You take all symptoms, all symptoms from the midst of me. Thank you, Father. My food is sanctified by the Word of God and prayer. If I drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm me. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I forget not His benefit. He forgives all iniquity. He heals all disease. He redeems my life from destruction. He crowns me with loving kindness, tender mercy. My youth, my youth is renewed like the eagles. Thank you, Jesus. You said you'd never leave me. You'd never forsake me. You'd be with me always, even until the end of the age. Jesus, you saw it coming, so you said the end of the age. Thank you, Father, for medical grace at the end of the age. You've not given me a spirit of fear, but a sound and sober mind. Thank you, Father. No evil befalls me. No plague comes nigh my dwelling place. I've been delivered from the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. It's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ that makes me free from the law of sin and death. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. The same Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells it abides in me. It quickens. It makes alive my mortal body. Therefore, I declare from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, I am, I am the healed of God in my blood, my bones, my organs, and my marrow by faith and through confession. I release that healing virtue touching my body at the point of need, affecting healing and a cure. Thank you, Jesus. With long life, with long life, you satisfy me and show me your salvation. Now thank Him for it. Just thank Him for it. Come on, just thank Him for it. Oh, thank Him. It's the Word of God. 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 It's the Word of Almighty God. He cannot lie. No, the cancer is a lie. No, the diabetes is a lie. No, the arthritis is a lie. No, the disease is a lie. No, the depression is a lie. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen, think about this for a moment. Because sometimes you just got to make some practical conclusions. People receive mighty miracles when Jesus walked the earth. Would you agree? And it was not after uh, uh, prolonged times of intense teaching day after day, week after week. It seemed that the words of Jesus carried so much life and power that just a few words was all it needed and people started getting healed and delivered by the power of God. We know He had the Spirit without measure. Think of the measure of the Spirit He must have had. Think of it. But you know what He doesn't have that we have? We have the Word without measure. For He is the Word without measure. He didn't have the volume of Scripture that we have. 
He had the Holy Ghost working with him because he is the Word of God. Now we have the Holy Ghost working with us because the Word of God is in us. You're saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, sanctified, made holy by the Word of God, cleansed by His blood. You receive a remittance of sin at salvation and been forgiven for everything you've done since then if you've asked for it. Isn't that good? (laughs) That keeps you clean, holy, pure. And then you you know what you don't worry about? You know what you don't worry about? You don't worry about dying. Oh my God. I might die. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with him. A friend of mine, a good friend of mine, has uh, traveled around the world uh, many times with a, a man named uh, Dr. Lester Summerall, was a very powerful apostle, preached in 143 nations and left churches in 120. So I think he knew what he was doing. But uh, uh, in his later years, uh, he had a project called uh, End Time Joseph, which uh, 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 basically was an assignment from God to feed the hungry people of the world, the hungry Christians of the world. We were in the first church that he was in. In 1988, when he came back from Jerusalem and God had visited him and spoke to him about the End Time Joseph program, he was 75 years old. And the story of the faith that was released and what God did is just mind-blowing. But in a praise and worship service, in a meeting, this friend of mine was with Dr. Summerall, kind of, you know, Dr. Summerall was elderly, he was actually in his early 80s, and uh, he had walked out a side door, and so they were having a worship service, and my friend was there worshiping, worshiping, and then when Brother Summerall didn't return in a, you know, a couple of minutes, he went to check on him. So he goes out there, and he said, Brother Summerall's just leaning up against the wall with his foot against the wall in his Bible. And he asked him, he said, you okay, everything all right? You know, he said, yeah, he said, I'm fine. And he said, well, uh, you know, I, I saw you get up and leave, and he, you, know, you were gone a long time. He said, yeah, he said, I just didn't want to leave tonight. He said, what do you mean? He said, I just didn't want to leave tonight. He said, if I'd have stayed in that worship service another minute, I'd have left. Amen. So we have to understand that a life of faith is a whole lot more than just you know, getting an ache out of your knee. It's faith which connects you with the redemptive reality of God. And I've taught for years and years faith faith for things, but I have never put it in front of faith for Him. Did you get that? A lot of faith preachers got off because all they preached about was faith for things. And I'm not against faith for things. I got a lot of nice things that faith got me. Amen? But it's not faith for things. It's actually faith for Him. So my, my most... If I was only allowed to have one confession, it would be my redemptive confession. My redemptive confession. Thank you, Father. I was crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. I was buried with him by baptism in the death. Now I rise and walk in newness of life. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the earth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. Thanks be unto God that causes me always to triumph. I'm a new creature in him. Old things have passed away. All things are new. He that knew no sin was made sin on my behalf. Because of that, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, I tell you, you start speaking those redemptive scriptures. 
And it starts stirring on the inside of you. It's a spiritual dynamo of the heart and the mouth. The heart and the mouth. Building the reality of in Christ on the inside of you. And it's really the reality of in Christ that grabs over the hold of the faith for healing, for, for, for deliverance, uh, uh, for prosperity. You say, why? Because you don't see yourself as someone needing to get something. You see yourself as someone that already has something, appropriating it and dragging it through the filth of this world system and getting it into your own life. Amen? That's what faith will do for you. You say, well, this is blocking me, or that is blocking me. It doesn't matter. I could tell you story after story till the sun goes down and comes up again of all of the no's and the no's and you can't and the no's and, and all of my own testimonies and testimonies of friends of you can't have it, you can't have it. It's no, 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 no. But here's the good news. You can get a million no's, but it only takes one yes for you to have the breakthrough. And the Bible says all the promises of God are in Him, yea, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God by us. More redemptive talk, more redemptive language. You have to learn to speak the redemptive language. It's the precious promises of God that we partake of that give us the divine nature of Christ. Hallelujah. So, if your life is messed up, it's because your words are messed up. If your words are messed up, it's because your head is messed up. If your head is messed up, you don't need more tablets. Not one amen. Maybe we ought to take a tablet offering. Amen. That's the world's answer. Here's a pill. Here's a bigger one. Here's a bigger one. You know, wash it down with this. No, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. The word, the word, the word, the word working might. The word working mightily in you. The word working, transforming, amen, recreating, bringing healing and health, causing your mind to be at ease, giving you joy and peace. That's why the Bible says, call it, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Why? Because you got another opportunity to walk in faith. Another opportunity to take and cause that gear shift to happen and speak the word of God. Amen. Begin to develop your confessions. Every day begin to speak. Every day, every day. I find myself now speaking it multiple times a day, especially over the things I'm believing God to receive. Your faith ought to be so precise that if you were asked, you could provide chapter, verse, and confession because any, any person I listen to, this is what I've learned. Anyone. And I used to do it in prayer lines, but I quit doing it because I'm a teacher and I, 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 if people aren't getting it, it's my fault. I need to help them get it. I preached one time in a church up in Tennessee and I preached on faith and preached on faith and I could tell, man, those hillbillies, they couldn't get it. And I just kept preaching on faith and preaching on faith. And you know, they wanted to look like Elvis and sing like Elvis and, and I kept preaching on faith, preaching on faith. And finally, I didn't, I didn't pray for no anything. I thought, man, they ain't got no faith. I got some faith into them. And the last night, at the end of the service, here comes this anointing. Whew, comes in there. Ooh, glory to God. So I began to minister to people, and I, I called for some people to come to a prayer line. And I went up to this lady, and I had watched her the whole week. She had sat right there. She had her Bible. She looked, she looked. And I said, honey, what makes you think you could be healed right now? And she looks at me with these pickles. I started to cry and says, I'm his child, aren't I? And I said, well, if you've got to ask me, I don't know if you are or not. She'd sat under faith teaching all week long and only listened. And when you asked her, what was preached? I don't know, but it was good. 
We can't afford any longer to let the word go forth and only listen. We have to make a decision. If God is speaking something, he's going to get it to me somehow, some way. If he's got to bring me over to Ireland to do it, if he's got to bring me somewhere else to do it, if there's a word I need to hear, I know I love God enough and he loves me enough. He's going to put me in a place where I'm going to hear that word, I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to walk in the light of it. And I know God's doing it to rescue me and to keep me out of a lot of the trauma that's coming down on this earth right now because these are the perilous times the Bible said would come upon the earth and Jesus said of those days that there will never be days before it or behind it that will be as awesome and as terrible as these days. I don't think I can go through it unless I'm clothed and armed. And that means with the word of God. Lift your hands. Father, we worship you. Where's our Leah? There you are. Our keyboard player. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you tonight. We worship you, Lord. We glorify your name. Thank you for your blessing and your goodness. Thank you for redeeming us from sin and shame, healing us from sickness and pain. Thank you for the joy that your word does impart. Thank you for the strength that is dropped deep within our heart. Thank you for words that can make mountains shake. (laughs) Thank you for a heart that only the word it wants to intake. Thank you for its ability loosed in our lives, our families, and that which we do. Thank you for the word in our lives that brings glory and honor to you. Thank you for the word that heals, removes sickness and disease, brings a cure, causes pain to go, and causes the body to be at ease. Thank you for the word that clears the mind and causes the depression to break. And even the word that's so strong that heals the heart that does so ache. Thank you for the word that unleashes wealth, a word from heaven heard down on earth. Ideas, concepts, wisdom, decisions that must be made so that you'll not have to be rescued. You'll not have to be rescued. No. That's not the hand that'll be played. You'll be the ones that'll rescue. You'll be the ones with the line that is out. You'll be the ones that'll say, come and drink, come partake. And once they do, they'll shout. And they'll go get others and say, the well's flowing again. And it's causing people to be delivered from oppression, pain, and sin. The call goes out to those that are chosen to hear. This is how you must operate for the end doth draw near. Things that have been said from the ancients of old. 
even prophecies of those you know, things they have told. You see the movement. You see the masses. The nations perplexed and confused. And the days that are coming will be darker. But the light will come from that which is inside of you. So don't suppress your words or your heart. For there are those around you that need it. Some that have never, never heard what you said. But now, this time, they'll heed it. For yeah, the times have gotten. That way for many. As they view through the eyes of destruction. But you look through another lens, for another light draws your eye. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. Glory. Well, yeah, well, I lost it then. You know that. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands. We worship you, Lord. We'll hook back up in just a minute. I get drunk sometimes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, with depression, you must let go for the word to make you whole. As I've said in my word, as your ears should have heard, let go, let go, let go. Your cares, your woes, your anxiety, your pain. Give it no attention. Give it no value. In your eyes you should disdain. The feelings and the thoughts that the enemy has brought against you. No, it's time to rise up and declare victory. Victory, victory is mine. Joy is mine. For I've been redeemed of the Lord. And I am his adorer. And even this night, he lifts my load so the story can be told of how he has set me free and given me liberty. Thank you, Father. Lift your hands. Who is that in here? You're suffering with depression. You've had some depression. Who is that? If that's you, wave your hand at me a little bit. Is that you back there, sir? Come up here. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Who else? There may be more than one. If you've suffered with depression. Hallelujah. Have you suffered with it for a long time? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I could tell. You, yeah, praise the Lord. Is this all? Anyone else? Praise God. Praise God. It's terrible to be depressed. It's terrible. I mean, you can't find joy in anything. Amen? But let me tell you something. Really cool. God really loves you and values you. He cares a whole lot about you. And you know, depression sometimes, it comes in invited, but it stays uninvited. You know what I mean? Sometimes we'll open a door or we'll begin to think on things or we'll begin to meditate on things. You know that, that negative meditation, we know what that's called, worry. And we kind of let worry. See, I came, from a, I came from professional worriers, so I had to learn how not to worry. Amen? But even tonight, you know, I believe the Spirit of God will come on you and break that. Yeah. 
and it'll give you a little bit of time in your own life to do what I've been telling you tonight, to get that word in your heart and in your mouth, to begin to speak it and begin to say things about your mind because that's where that depression tries to get in your soul. Remember Psalms 23? He restores my soul. Isn't that good? He restores the way I think. He restores the way I feel. Amen? He restores my soul. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of a sound mind. Well, you can begin to say to yourself, I have a sound mind. I have a sober mind. See, your mind will never believe it until you tell it that. It's like speaking to that mountain. Amen? If you've suffered with addictions of any kind, I did. I was a drug addict. I had to speak to those things. No, no, no. You don't rule my life anymore. I have power over you. How? By the word of God that is in me and the power that's in that word. I don't have any personal power, but God's given me power in his word. Amen? Isn't that good? Y'all ready to let it go? The Bible says, cast all your care upon him. Amen? Why don't y'all step apart so I can minister to you individually? Lift your hands up. Praise God. That's what we're going to do. 1 Peter chapter 5. Casting all your care. Casting all of your... One translation says, cast the whole of all of your care, all of your anxiety, all of your... Isn't it amazing how many things we've gone through in the past, how they try to live with us? Memories, pain, hurt. You know, sometimes a smell or a song or, a, or the way the, the wind blows, something will remind you of that. And here comes that, that just, it just brings you down. But the greater one's in you. Father, we lay hands on this precious man. We break the power of depression off of him. Depression, we speak to you right now. You've lived in his soul. You've you've drawn your existence, but it stops tonight. We cancel your assignment against this man. We release the anointing of God that breaks the yoke. In Jesus' name, depression, loose him now and let him go. Father, I thank you that you lift his load in Jesus' name. Now, I got a word for you from God. Are you ready? Don't fear your past. What you've done, when you've done, when you've done. Listen, this is, I don't know if you can relate to this or not. If I'm wrong, then you can just forget it. Some crazy Texan told you a crazy story. I was afraid when I came back to the Lord, I'd hurt my body through the addictions I'd had. But I didn't realize that salvation not only affected my spirit, but it also affected my body. And, I, I, you know, the devil would speak to my mind, you've done this, you've done that, your, your liver's gone, this. And I just stood on the Word and said, no, you know, God has saved me, rescued me, set me free, and He didn't do it for me to die. He, wa- he wants me to live and declare the God. So I've been doing that for almost 40 years. Amen? So I just want you to know that, that it just seems to me that many times the enemy will come to you about thoughts of the past. Oh, you did that. Oh, you did that. It's going to catch up. It's going to come back. It's, gonna, it's all a lie. The Lord wants you to see this in your mind's eye. Your past is like a force that has not only just been burnt level with the ground, but the big old tractor has come in and dug up all of the roots and all of the old rubbish, and it's all piled up over there ready to be burned, and now you've got a nice field to plant some good seed in. And there's a seed bag right there. How do you plant it? Speak it into your heart. Father, thank you for this man. I break the power of depression over him. Depression, you loose him and let him go. And Father, I thank you right now. He recognizes and realizes the reality of the cross.
The ability of the cross to give us a death. And on that cross, that old man died. And he does not exist anymore. And I thank you that salvation not only relieves us of the effect of sin, but it delivers us from what it did to our mind and our bodies. Loose him, devil, in Jesus' name. I pray over his mind that those thoughts which many times he has entertained and they've brought him down. And he thought, oh my God, my weakness is again. But I thank you tonight he is equipped. A new <laughs> anointing. So you're a Christian, right? Believe in Jesus, your Lord. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. Speak in other tongues. Put your hands up. Let's get filled, fresh and new. That's it. Now let it flow. Pray with him for a, for a minute, Ryan. How about you? You're saved, right? Filled with the Holy Ghost? Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Come on, you need this. This is the power. Now, here's a pastor right here. You pray with him. This is a pastor right here. Pray with him. Now, the rest of y'all, lift your hands. Let the Holy Ghost come on you. Maranana, sekere bodo sorabaha. Herebikia baria andala susuramana. Nandala mana surribi andala nono. Nongredisa, braha kita. Erodoi bala mesuramana. Aragai barela susaradi. Mandala mana sukaraha. Herebadandala nisaradesu bakalata. Bandala nasita. Ekere dia suramahak. Ekere dudondala nona nilita. Nandrosa. Ebreke. Etiri barosa. Harala caso terebodangale nisa morakirata. Herebandala nara si sereke. Esekerete. Esekerete. Come on, let him feel you. Lift your hands and worship. Stand on your feet. Stand up. You've been sitting long enough. Come on, stand up, yield to the Holy Ghost. Come on, stand up, yield to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on, the Spirit of God's moving in here. Come on, He's moving in here. Let Him feel you fresh and new. Come on, you need it, you need it, you need it, you need it, you need it. Press in, press in, press in. Hallelujah. Barrette. Egeremenia sutulobai. Bargandala nasikiriandala monono. Oh, bande, 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 bari kiabara seserebodu. Burramana labata. Hebreke sustedebodu. Arakatala nana lakita rebodu sobretia. Eranana nakala taya batala sustere monono. Erabakata labadasa karabaranda le mene. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory. 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 Hallelujah. Now let's worship. Come on. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Worship God. Come on. Tell Him you love Him. Come on, tell him you love him. Oh, we glorify your name. Glorify your name. Glorify your name. Glorify your name. Oh, we glorify your name. Glorify your name. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Now in listening, I read some scripture about following the old men. In listening to a pastor that pastored me for many years, Brother J.R. Goodwin, recently listening to some of his ministry and teaching. He made a statement, and I know I've heard him make it before, but I don't know if I heard it like I heard it the other day. He was teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. And he was expounding on the reality of all nine gifts of the Spirit, their place in the Word of God, and their significance to the kingdom of God today. And how seven of the nine gifts of the Spirit operated under the Old Covenant. But only under this covenant operates the gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now he said this, and it took me a minute to digest it, because it will. He said, now the most important gift to operate in the church is tongues and interpretation of tongues. He said, that's the most important. See, we wouldn't think that because of our natural mind. We would think, well, well, if we had those power gifts, uh, uh, working of miracles, uh, uh, gifts of healing, and, and special faith. Well, did you know the new covenant's designed? Well, you don't need any of that. It's designed for that to be given to the world, for that to work through us so we can bless the world with it. Amen? But in the church, tongues and interpretation of tongues can not only speak into the edification, exhortation, and comfort of the church. It can also carry revelation gifts. We can speak a word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Amen. But it's very important that churches develop. And that's one of the things. A man went to a, a church growth seminar and brought me back a few of his notes. He left after the second day. It was a week-long seminar. And he brought me some of his notes and they listed five things that if you do any of these five things, your church will not grow. Well, one of them enlisted in there uh, was tongues and interpretation of tongues. And I thought, well, I wouldn't have gone to that church growth seminar. And then I looked at the other four, and we were doing all four. (laughs) And we're still doing them. Let me help you. Amen. So in an atmosphere as this, this is charged with the Spirit of God. Really, the Spirit of God hadn't fallen in this place tonight. We trust He will before this conference is over. Amen. I heard y'all had a pretty good little stir of the Spirit this morning. That's what those are, stirrings, moves of the Spirit. But especially at a time in which we come together and teach and expound on the Word of God to get it into your heart, to get it into the soil of your heart for you to make adjustments with. Listen, church, if you don't leave this place tonight and make some adjustments in your confession, you missed the whole intent of tonight. You've wasted your time. Amen. But now in this beautiful atmosphere, especially since we're learning to practice, to stand in the presence of God, in the the quietness, God said, be still and know. Not be still and believe, but be still and know that I am God. Amen. It's in that atmosphere many times that, 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 that men and women, many times, and I've seen it operate like this, and I believe I can back it up by Scripture, within the congregation, God will move on individuals. Not everybody, because it's a, it's a gift. All of us get the Holy Ghost in a measure when we're baptized or we receive a baptismal measure of the Spirit of God evidenced by speaking in a language you've not intellectually learned. But then there are certain that are chosen by God that will have a stirring. Brother Goodwin's wife, we called her Nana. She called it a flutter in your spirit. 
And so many times just standing in the presence of God, people will sense that. And so we learn by the Word of God that there's an order to that. Many times in our own church, we'll have three different messages in tongues. I'll interpret. Dad Goodwin always interpreted in our church, even when Brother Hagen was there. Dad Goodwin would always interpret, number one, because he was the head of the house. Number two, Brother Hagen always yielded to him because Brother Hagen, excuse me, Brother uh, Goodwin carried a greater teaching anointing and had a greater working knowledge of the Word of God, and Brother Hagen recognized and submitted to that. You see, why are you saying all of that? Because these things need to be awakened in the churches here in Ireland again. We brought this to the church in 1988. Thank you, Luke. We brought these things to the church in 1988. Wonderful moves of the Spirit. Tongues, interpretation in tongues and prophecies and words of wisdom and words of knowledge that we walked out and saw come to pass. Not only that, we had the power gifts in operation. We had, we had working of miracles. We had, we, had, uh, 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 we had miracles, special miracles. We had gifts of healing. We had discerning of spirits. We had all that type of stuff. Powerful. Now see, it needs to be reawakened in the churches. How many churches came in through that supernatural door that we pioneered way back then, but now they don't even believe in that? Passed away with the last of well, God, Listen, the devil hadn't got stronger and God weaker. So as we stand in the presence of God, amen, you may sense a stirring or a flutter. And when I ask for hands in just a moment, you say, well, five people raised there. That's good. I'll choose one. Usually I can tell as I look around for a few minutes who has the unction that's going to flow correctly with me giving the interpretation so we can get as close as we can to what the Holy Ghost is trying to say. Amen. You that are pastors, you should practice and develop this in your church and trust God for it to operate and move because I'm telling you, great blessings. We've, ever, we've seen everything from a service at the end where nobody responded to an altar call then a tongue and an interpretation, the Bible says, which is given to convince the sinner of his sin would be given and 15 people come to the altar. Amazing. Supernatural. Supernatural. <laughs> Supernatural. Glory to God. So let's lift our hands. Father, we worship you. How glorious are you, Lord. Thank you that you didn't leave us some dead, dry religion. Thank you, thank you you gave us an exciting, dynamic, powerful word of faith. Hallelujah. We trust you, Spirit of God. Spirit of grace, Spirit of righteousness. The Holy Ghost in manifestation operation. Hallelujah. How we value it. How we love it. How we appreciate it. Thank you, Jesus. For you have received of the Father that which you do shed forth here. Now quietly, if you will, lower your hands. And just there with your eyes closed, head kind of bowed in reverence to the Lord. Just for a moment, let's just let that stillness come back in. Now, now if you feel a stirring in your heart, as I would say it at Island Church in Galveston, if you feel like you have a message in tongues, would you raise your hand so I can see it? So I can see it. Praise God. I'm going to ask my wife to give that out. Give that out, Leah. Yes, for this is a time 
in which you must pay close attention to the words that are being said and the spirit that is bringing them. For it is a spirit of hope and it is a spirit that is trying to impart to you the life and the light that is necessary for the days ahead. For truly there is darkness gathering on the horizon and there is that which will be the suddenlies and the immediatelys of the earth and the world system that will bring great panic, great panic and trepidation upon the earth. But no, you bear the light. You bear the life and you bear the spirit of the God of grace and mercy upon the earth. And my compassion shall be seen and known in and through you. Hallelujah. Now, now, lift your hands. See, for many years, messages would go for beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for obeying God, Pastor Leah. Beautiful message in tongues. Beautiful. In t- now, see, we don't clap, we don't applaud. We lift our hands and we worship. And it's okay to hand clap at other times, but see, this is a holy time. The Lord is speaking. The Holy Ghost is saying something to us. Hallelujah. Now, for the second time, lower your hands, if you will. Sense the presence of God in the atmosphere. You might not have had it the first time, but you have it this time. You might have had it it the last time and you don't have it now, but you may have it now. It may be different ones, but if you sense in your spirit that flutter, that that, that stirring, lift your hand right now. Praise God, that's great. John, Cooney, give that out. Give it out, go ahead. Now, you can't put this off. And you can't stay within your heart. I will ponder these things. I will think upon these things. And oh, you know, if the unction or the feeling comes one day, I may enter into some of it. <laughs> no, no, no. You better wake up this day. You better wake up this evening and recognize and realize that the whole human race is sailing into a storm, headlong into that in which the adversary and the God of this world has designed and implemented that which he wants to bring to a conclusion to bring great death and destruction upon this earth. But no, no, no. I am the God of this earth. I am the God of this world. And I am moving and stirring in the nations and on the inside of you. Don't judge what you're hearing tonight. Don't judge what's going on in your spirit by the size of a crowd, a church, or a city. Judge it by what's stirring in your heart and by what that which you know to be true that the Spirit of God is speaking on the inside of you. If you do, you will wake up, wake up, wake up to the things that God wants to impart so that you might be protected, blessed, and in the midst of the greatest decrease the earth has ever seen, you will not just survive. You will thrive and increase to the glory of your Father and the glory of the one who has redeemed you and set you free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now lift your hands and thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. 
Just soak in that. Just bask in that for a few moments. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Just bask in that for a few moments. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, one more time. Let's just worship. We love you, Lord. Appreciate your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for confession. Thank you for how you've designed. and Thank you that you revealed the operations of your word and spirit into our hearts and lives in these last days. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. One more, one more. Who else? Someone else has a message. Go ahead, Josh, give that out. Well, many of you have struggled and said, well, you know, we've believed and prayed. We've stood and the time's gone by. The clock, uh, the calendar has, has moved. There's been much time that has gone by. But you must know that you are living in the last of time. That, that time, your time, is coming to an end. Therefore, you must decide these things are going to work quickly, dynamically. And without exception, they're going to bring the provision and the blessing of God. Don't fall into the narrative of the world. Don't listen to the they-sayers and the naysayers. But fix your heart upon the word and the things, that, the things that edify, the things that comfort, and the things that build up. And if you do, you'll maintain your joy. You'll have a skip in your step. And there'll be a peace about you that others will say, What is it? What is it? What is it? What are you taking? What are you reading? And you can say, No, let me introduce you to someone. Someone, and they can drink of the well of life, and they can eat of the bread of life, and it will spread and it will grow, and many will know, and then the end will come. Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Glory. Now lift your hands and worship Him. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. You love the Lord? You get something tonight. Did you really? You know, when you make a decision to get something, you'll get something. Let the word change you. Make decisions. Listen, these are the days of great change. Let it begin with you. I did it in my own life. And it's still, it's still, I've not stopped. I mean, I've begun it and initiated it. And God's followed through. Listen, we all need change, but we need grace to do it. Because it's not the, listen, it's not the thought of change. It's when you have to go into the transition that changes the man. Now let me say this, and I don't want to preach tomorrow's message or the next day's message, but let me say this. There's a lot of change coming that's going to be demanded of you that may not be very comfortable. So you might ought to work on changing spiritually, so when the changes that come to this world, uh, they don't knock you off your faith. Because there's a rapid succession of changes that are happening in the body of Christ because there's going to be change and change and change and change and change and change. And then there's going to be the last change where it says we are changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. 
Now let me ask you a question. If you resist every change that God's trying to bring now as we race up to that moment in which the big change takes place, what makes you think the big... You go, if you ain't obeyed any of these, what makes you obey, obey that one? See, people don't consider those things. I do. Listen, this is how the Lord said it to me. This is how I'll close and give it to you right? well, as I give it to Pastor Ryan. The Lord said to me, when the archangel shouts and the trump is blown, will you hear it? Will you hear it? Pastor Ryan. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. Well, it's about searching our hearts, right? Searching our hearts that begins to reveal what our confession is. Hmm? So as we go home today, let's allow them to search our heart and see what's actually coming out of our mouth so we can reveal where we are and the things that need to be changed. Amen? Amen. So let's, so let's dismiss. Don't forget we have service at 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. Hallelujah. Got some, some powerful minister is going to come and blow your hair back a little bit. Maybe give you some hair if you don't have any. Hmm. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then we'll be back at seven, half seven uh, tomorrow night. So, so let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we glorify you. Ah, we thank you, Lord, for your sweet presence in this place. Lord, thank you for your words that have been spoken to us. Lord, may we have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is having to say. Hmm. May we not take it for granted or take it as common hmm. or just take it as another service. Bring up these things that have been spoken over and over and over in our hearts, Lord. As we fall asleep, may we meditate on them. May we wake up refreshed, full of fire, ready for another dose for tomorrow morning. But we just want to thank you, Lord. We want to glorify you. Hmm. <laughs> we say, until we see you again tomorrow. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.